1: Welcome back to Bob Don't Lie, right here on 104 Nine, The Horn, Hump Day Edition, Midweek Movie. Music edition of Ball Don't Lie, and that's when my man Patrick takes songs from a particular soundtrack of a movie that inspired him, and based on those song selections, we're supposed to guess exactly what the featured movie was for midweek movie music. I did not get it. My man Patrick had to let me know it was the original Kings of Comedy, and I gotta admit, never heard the soundtrack before in my life, but I'm I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. it's a damn good soundtrack actually. So I'm, I I didn't get it because I was initially thrown off by the. Saint Lunatics jam that was thrown in there, but most of it is old school soul. Yeah, well, because so most of it is yeah. stuff
0: they play like when they're coming out on exactly stage the
1: intro, and stuff. then there's
0: some like Lenny Williams is uh, was, Steve Harvey was talking bit, about how old old yes. music used to be, and so there's stuff throughout it, but
1: yeah, and, and I believe such entertainer had a couple of musical yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah, well, he had, well, he had his his one up. that
0: like we don't have because it's not an actual song, but the the reggae song. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, 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 peanut exactly. butter no jam <laughs> yes yes no doubt no 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 King, original king's of comedy i know that it's, it, it's epic and it's still funny it is i watched it this weekend funny. because yeah. i was
0: putting it together and it was like i was like Man, i haven't watched that in a while and there are parts of it where it is timely i would say yes it's cool. very much of the time because yeah. like there's stuff in there that's uh like they, it's, i think it starts off one of the first jokes about ray caruth
1: Ray, yeah, Steve Harvey got a Ray Caruth joke in there. Yeah, it's like a man yes. like, all right, that's very t- – <laughs> Yeah, no, it's right around the time. Yeah. No, it's it's going to be when, I don't know, in 20, 30 years, we started watching all the comedy from this era for the last three yeah. or four years. It's going to be all COVID jokes. You don't know exactly when it, when it happened. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of COVID stuff. And if I've noticed that even I, when I go and see a lot of stand-up, I love stand-up. I think stand-up is the toughest thing to do in entertainment. I don't think there's anything tougher when you're talking about singing – I don't give a damn if you're talking about even playing football. I don't think there's anything tougher than going out there in front of hundreds, hell, even five to ten people, whatever it is, yeah. however big the crowd or small the crowd, and them expecting you to make them laugh and saying, go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's no pressure like that. That is ex- an extreme amount of pressure. And you've got to be really good at it. And you're right. I mean, they were, they were the kings at the time. Yeah. 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 Um, they're different kings. I would say, being at the time, I wonder if they were was which one of them was considered like the funniest guy of the of the four that went out there.
0: I mean, Steve Harvey was the most well known. He
1: was the most well known.
0: And then they, Bernie Mac, headlines.
1: Bernie Mac mashed
0: it because and, Bernie Mac, I think, it was one. was like no one's gonna follow <laughs> Bernie Mac. And that's thing you did you you didn't want to follow Bernie Mac after yeah. he did what he
1: did. And then. Yeah, and then Steve Harvey, what, wasn't he kind of the host of it? Yeah, so he so comes he come in and in does, and like, out and does like
0: bits in between everybody. Yeah. But that was the deal. Was when I first started introing bands here in town, that was I'd intro bands, like, man, where did you learn to do it? I was like, original Kings of Comedy. Yeah. I was like, I just did Steve Harvey intros. Just do <laughs> a bit. Just do a bit <laughs> well, first, right? Well, no, but just like the, the Steve Harvey intros where he was so over the top with the intros. Oh, my God. And gotcha. just like, Coming to the stage <laughs> yeah, and just doing that. And I would do that for bands and they'd be like, man, that was awesome. Do and that like, again. You'd yeah. like, hey, I'm just trying <laughs> like to get my best Steve I got Harvey
1: Hey, you know what? Hey, it, it, it worked. Yeah. It worked, no doubt about it. No, it's a great, I got to go back and watch. It's probably been 10 years. Yeah. since I watched the original Kings of Comedy. Yeah, it's, probably, it's been a long time. Uh, but based on that soundtrack, I got to actually jam the soundtrack a little bit too. All right, so a shout-out to my man Patrick, the idea you for midweek movie music. Let's get to Texas basketball. Oh, by the way, at Raj Round the Day, I was going to talk Cowboys, but we're talking a lot of Cowboys. We did that in the 4. We're going to do it again in the 6 o'clock, and we're going to do it again tomorrow and the day after that. So... Um, some research I've been doing just about football in general and about this season. uh, I want to get into what can be considered or perceived as the most effective play in football that's not utilized enough. We'll get into that in Rod's Round the Day. We'll have some fun with too. As a matter of fact, it's a it's a. It's kind of a Philly special, if you will, this year. So we'll get into that in Rod's round of the day. Let's talk Texas basketball. Losing to Iowa State, 78-67. to uh, My man Patrick actually was uh, hanging out with Spurs fans last night at the Spurs game. Shout to the Spurs, got a win over the Nets. Um, and I was upset because I thought this game, ignorantly, I thought it was on cable. So I was like, ah, I went home. I was like, ah. I was like, babe, DVR the game for me on my way home. She's like... There's no Texas game on, on the cable, And I was like, damn it, she just doesn't know where it is. And I was, I was like, oh, baby, it's on this show. she's like, I know that. I know where the games are, you idiot. It's not on the TV. And <laughs> she was right, as she usually is. And, yeah, I had to go, like, try to steal some and reach out to guys and try to steal their passwords, or not steal, borrow, as my man Patrick Bro. said. I um, got a chance to watch most of it. I didn't miss some of it because I was just a little confused. I still don't know why and how and I guess this is all done by the broadcast network, so it's not like anybody has yeah, any mean, power over well, it. But how is the top 12 matchup? It's
0: part of it's and it's part of the Big 12 deal with ESPN is that they want games on ESPN Plus because they want you to subscribe to ESPN Plus, and you're going to miss big games. Come and on, they make the schedule at the beginning of the season, and yes, they should flex games out more, but they don't. There you go. They, they just don't. That's in a basketball. Solution. Like They basically pick games, so there will be games that are complete nothing games that will air on TV at good slots. Because they were originally selected. Oh, I,
1: you know what? Big 12 this year with Tech and Baylor being down, I bet that's happening a little yeah, yeah. bit more. So yeah. you get
0: stuff like that. But Kansas is always there because like, we'll put Kansas in everything. It's true. They're the national champions.
1: Yeah, that's a good they, they
0: had a But they had a game on uh, ESPN Plus already.
1: Yeah, you're right. They, the flex idea is a great idea, though. Brady Yarmark, who is yeah. you know, new school, progressive, maybe comes up with that. That's a great idea. It's, it's a simple solution to yeah. a simple problem. Like, hey man, we didn't know this was going to be a bad matchup, but this was going to be a great matchup. Let's flex it because that definitely should have been uh, on uh, broadcast uh, television or at least uh, on cable television. but anyway, uh, Texas number seven versus Iowa State number 12, they lose 78 to 67. Texas had a lead, and I think I got a little comfortable around this time, and maybe Texas did too. They had a 29-18 lead, 751 left in the first half, and that's right around the time that the fit hit the Shan. For the Longhorns, they went on one of two droughts offensively where they just could not get a bucket. They couldn't buy a bucket. They went seven, almost seven and a half minutes of the first half, the the final seven and a half minutes of the first half without a field goal. And they were outscored 18-6 to six in that stretch. And that flipped the script, and they took what was an 11-point lead to end up being a one-point deficit at halftime. Um, and then in the second half, you had another one of those droughts, uh, Patrick, and this one was almost nine-and-a-half minutes, 9-20. They missed eight consecutive field goals. And in those two droughts, one in the first half, one in the second half, one seven-and-a-half minutes, one nearly nine-and-a-half minutes, uh, Texas was outscored 38-12. to 12. That, in a nutshell, a lot of other things to break down, but that's the game. That's the game in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. No, you just can't. And, again, we said you have to play 40 minutes of basketball in the Big 12 to win games. you got to play 40 minutes. This is what you got to do. And especially once we get to the end of the year, you still have to be able to play 40 minutes of basketball. Texas is not putting the foot together 40-minute games. And this was one of the most glaring, hey, man, look, there's Texas. We can see them. And then just they all their flaws come out. Yeah. And when Texas has all their flaws showing – it's it's a bad it's a bad look because that's when you start to see them make just silly turnovers. I, I mean, this is one of those teams that has more turnovers of a guy just not being able to hold on to a basketball or, like, a pass mm-hmm. that bounces off or just things that you're like, man, this is th- – because this isn't coaching. This isn't playing. You know what you're doing wrong. Like, yeah. for whatever reason, you're thinking about six other things and one of them isn't make sure you don't dribble the ball off your foot. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, stuff like that. You have to focus down on, and I think there's so many things they're trying to work on right now that they somewhat need to get back to basics on a few things and just go, hey, man, we're playing West Virginia, so we don't have to stress as much. We can't lose on Saturday, but we're playing West Virginia. Let's take some time to kind of go back over and go back into, hey, remember that game we won where we had one turnover in the whole game? Remember that? Let's go back to that. Let's try to get back to taking care of the ball more. Let's get back to when we get – when we start to have scoring droughts, let's get it into mid-range. Let's try and get mm-hmm. to the free throw line. Let's try and do the little things that we know how to do and we just somehow don't do for a while.
1: Yeah, we, we remember we talked about how guys like Timmy Allen yeah. had been so critical uh, in terms of his timing and knowing his role, when to step up. You just had guys who just couldn't feel uh, that role versus the Iowa State Cyclones, Um, you know, Your leading scorer was a Christian bishop with 12 points, and it shows you how your your offense uh, struggled because usually guys like Marcus Carr or Timmy Allen, uh, Sergio Bory Rice, all the guys who are known as being the the creators, the guys who generate offense for for you, uh, those guys struggled. They couldn't really make it happen, and you didn't have someone who stepped up uh, in that uh, in in their in their void, uh, and you didn't really have somebody who was able to generate enough offense for you. Tyrese Hunter started out really hot. He did have ten points uh, in the first ten minutes, and I thought. Man, the F Tyrese chance to start the game uh, really motivated him, and you can tell that I think it did actually motivate him to start the game, uh, but he cooled off after the first 10 minutes, much like he was microcosm of Texas. First 10 minutes of the game, they won. Yeah. They balled out. They, they really did. And the last 30 minutes, they just couldn't buy a bucket. That was Tyrese Hunter. 10 points in the first 10 minutes, 0-4 for the rest of the game. And that's essentially kind of what happened to Texas in that matchup, yeah, so they like you said, it has gotta be you know they gotta play uh you know, full game. That's a big question for them. what I am concerned about and what would be an issue, but it's not an issue right now, if this comes up again the the cold stretches where they can't they go ice, ice, baby, all right, Vinyl ice and they can't buy a bucket if that happens again, remember that was the issue last year. That was actually kind of a fatal flaw for the team last year that they would have these stretches every game. Um, and you, you've you talked about it, Patrick, you see this game, you see this team up close and personal at all their home games. And they've had these types of lulls before, four or five minute lulls before. But these were egregious. I mean, you're talking about nearly 10 minutes uh, for one and nearly eight minutes for another in the same game. You're not going to win any big 12 games with those types of stretches. So as long as this doesn't persist versus West Virginia on the road too, which is, You know, West Virginia's not a bad team, but they're one of the worst teams in the Big 12. Uh, As long as that doesn't happen again and it doesn't become a systemic issue, I think you'll be okay. The fact is, this is the Big 12. It's the Big 12. So you're going to have these games. You're going to have games where you just don't show up. You don't have your best stuff. The competition level is so high uh, day in and day out, week in and week out in the Big 12. Um, I imagine just like K-State. You have the performance where your defense doesn't show up. you got to solve those problems. Um, Your offense doesn't show up, and then you got to fix the offense, whatever the problems uh, are that exist there. Um, But as long as they're not systemic and they don't continue game after game and they don't come back to bite Texas, I'll give Rodney Terry the benefit of the doubt that in the Big 12, you're just going to have performances where you have an off night and that team has has their best stuff on that night. Happened in K-State. Iowa State, uh, they just played a really good game, and Texas played a bad game. So I yeah. think that's what it comes down to as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, th- this comes down to, I mean, there's things you'd like to see is uh, I'm a big Timmy Allen <laughs> fan of when you're having those scoring droughts, just getting him in that mid-range, and he only got five shots up. He did get fouled a few times. He got some free throws, but you're like, I- you need to have more shots than Tyrese Hunter if mm-hmm. Tyrese Hunter isn't hitting anything. Then I get he's getting open threes, but let's get Timmy in that mid range just to get get a couple buckets. Let's see a couple go down, reset on defense, everybody take a deep breath. Yep. And then we can then we see everybody else start to kind of get their game back into it. That's how we'll see Sergei Rice start to get into his game. And we see Marcus Carr hit some big shots at the end of games, which was what he's what he's done over the season. But you just have to get you have to start that. And mm-hmm. it seemed like in this game they just never were able to really start that last spurt of scoring. Yeah. And get that, okay, now, and it's about seven minutes left in the game where it was like six, seven minutes where if you can there make a run and get that little run right there or at least stop it, just stop the bleeding.
1: That's, your, your Tim, that's what you always say about Timmy, Timmy Allen yeah. stops the bleeding.
0: It does, and it's because at mid-range, it's, you're not, and if they're hitting threes, they still, they're still can grow a lead, but at least you're not, it's not a run. You just can't let teams go on runs, and if it's a run that's like a slow run, the worst runs in spin basketball yeah. which is oh it's a 90 run well how long 8 minutes <laughs>
1: it took forever
0: yeah that's <laughs> not a good run <laughs> i mean technically it's a run but that's yeah. just you not scoring forever pretty much so if you can get a couple of buckets in there now it's a 4 to 8 run that's not a run anymore yes. and now it's just bad basketball but you're not getting blown out and got not getting beat and then you're in the game at the end of the game.
1: That's a great point, though, uh, about Timmy Allen. That's why he's been you know, so crucial for this team, because he he has been timely when they've needed those uh, crucial buckets to stop. You always talk about stopping the bleeding. I think one of our texters, I believe it was a female listener, who said, uh, Timmy Tourniquet stops the bleeding yes. for Texas basketball. Uh, that was not the case in that matchup versus Iowa State. But they got a bounce-back game versus West Virginia. It's actually the perfect road Bounce back Big 12 game. Yeah. I can't imagine a better. Can you imagine the? I mean, you got to go on the road anywhere in the Big 12. And it's tough to play in West Virginia, but it's yeah. tough to play everywhere no, in, the yeah. road in the Big 12. Anywhere, I don't know another <laughs> place
0: you'd want to go. Because
1: right. like, Texas Tech isn't
0: playing good, but then you're in Lubbock Ooh. and that's not any fun. That ain't
1: no fun. You don't want to go to Baylor. Baylor's not playing great, but still. You yeah. want to go to Waco and play no. there. Right, TCU's playing great. Case, so I think if you got a bounce back game on the road in the Big Twelve, this is probably your you know best situation. Um, and I think for Rodney Terry, as long as you fix the the droughts, the offensive droughts that plagued you in this game, you know Texas will be fine. I mean, right now I think so. They're third in the Big Twelve now after this loss, I believe. Yes, It makes some get some third in the Big Twelve, I believe, because now Iowa State is ahead of them and then you got Kansas. Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, let me look real quick. Yeah.
1: I no, I will, I will look too. But I, I I think last time I looked at it, that was the case. You could just have a tie. I think it's a tie though. I think it's like a three way tie for third, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh is fourth. It? We are in fourth now. Oh fourth. Okay. So K State and Kansas are both five and one in Big Twelve. Actually no, and I always state is also five and one and then we are four and two, so going in fourth.
1: Uh, okay, so it's a three-way tie for for first for first. Okay, yes. so I got my ties mixed up. All right, yeah, three-way tie for so. I mean, yeah, I mean you just gotta you gotta and hold you gotta you gotta survive in advance. It's pretty much yeah. How and you TCU feel plays
0: 12. tonight. Therefore, they're three and two. They play tonight against West Virginia, so they will most likely get a win and be four and two tied with us at yeah. four.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, as long as you don't get too much separation, you just can't fall too far from the pack. Yeah, That's no, all. you, you can't just fall and I too mean, far from the pack.
0: Th- look, this comes into. A big part of it, too, is you just need to be, start getting ready for the end of the season. Like, you need to fix your problems, start figuring out guys that are going to be growing things. Like, for me, a lot of it is Dylan Mitchell. Like, I don't like that he didn't get a shot up in the game.
1: Didn't they play? He played 16 minutes. They played a lot less of Dylan Mitchell. Was that because they were trying to counter the size of Iowa State yeah, with small is, ball type? And I, and I get it. Mentality is that. But also,
0: okay. if you want to compete in the NCAA tournament, Dylan Mitchell needs to be part of it. Yeah. So I get you're trying to get through games and win games, but again, you need to look long-term here, and if you're not thinking that, hey, we need this super-athletic, super-talented young kid to be a part of our offense and part of our defense down the stretch, and I get Brock Cunningham as a glue guy, and to win games you need Brock Cunningham, I think we need to play him a little bit more and try and get him involved a little bit more okay. to get his confidence up and get him to a place where he can make an impact in March. Because I just don't know if the team, with him not being a factor, like he was a non-factor in that game, right? Agreed. You need to have him be at least a factor, if not a, a big factor, just something where teams really have to put him on the scouting report. Okay. You need him to be there, and I don't know if he's there yet. I think he's a better rebounder than he's showing right now. I think there's a lot of things he could do well, but he needs to be involved in the offense because if you don't put an 18-, 19-year-old kid involved in the offense – everything else is going to slide because mentally you're just not in the game.
1: I feel like he's playing fewer minutes, too. He is. Okay. Because, like because he's, like he's, not, he's not in the offense. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so he lacks on defense, and he slacks off. And he just doesn't focus enough, mm. and so you get benched. Yeah. But, but you, that's, but that's but also in your coaching of yeah. pass him the ball some, in the let him get in the offense because then he will focus on defense because now he's in the game.
1: you got to get him invested.
0: But very few basketball, And, I mean, this is in the NBA. If you don't pass a guy the ball, they don't play defense. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. One of the problems with the Mavs right now is that no one touches the ball, and so no one plays hard on both ends of the court because they don't touch the ball because Luca's at the ball. Mm. It's just a thing in basketball. No, I, I, I totally get it. If you look at the Nets, reason, one, of the, one of the reasons why the Nets got a lot better is they started passing the ball more. And they
1: are good defensively.
0: Yeah, because they started <laughs> passing the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everyone started to do their fair share on both ends because I know they're engaged in the game.
1: And I feel, I'll feel rewarded for my efforts because I get to touch the Touching yeah. the ball is a big thing psychologically. I don't need to shoot. Yeah. I
0: need to touch the ball. I need <laughs> yeah. to, look, if I do yeah. this and I make a great pass, at least I get no stat for it. But I get to be part of the play, and so I'm like, oh, they're using me. Yeah. But if I'm literally coming down and they go, sit in the corner. Don't don't talk. You'll say just sit in the corner, yeah, and then come back and and play hard defense. Yeah, give everything get, you got, and then yeah. like get physical with the guy. and You're gonna popped You may get a bloody nose.
1: You may <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great point. Yeah, I totally It, it is what it is in basketball. That's a great. No, I, you're right about even watching NBA it's A great point you bring up. Uh, I totally agree with you on that. Um, something else that we need to talk about just really quickly because um, we didn't talk about it. Uh, well, we talked about it a little bit earlier on in the show, but the uh, the Caleb Grill play where he ends up speaking of uh, Dylan Mitchell. He ends up undercutting Dylan Mitchell um, for a rebound is an ugly fall by Dylan Mitchell should have been an obvious foul. It was not called uh, then sent Mitchell to the floor. They go back and transition. It's a four on five because Mitchell's uh, on the floor still uh, and grill the guy who pulled the, uh, the dirty uh, stunt there and undercut Dylan Mitchell. He yeah. actually is the one that got the three and that started eight run actually for our state it was a big, Big play, big sequence for them. And I, I'll give my man Zay credit on Chad and Zay. I heard him talking about it. I thought it was an interesting point. And he wasn't trying to be uber critical of Rodney Terry at all. It was just an observation. And he thought that Rodney Terry, after that play, which should have been an obvious foul, foul called on Caleb now after that play, that he thought Rodney Terry, he said Rodney Terry did, he, 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 he confronted the ref uh, in some way, yeah. uh, but it was not, and it was not very aggressive. All right. It was not one where he worked the refs enough, and he made a good point that you know, and I, I, you know, I I agree with this. It is your job to work the refs to try to get your team the benefit of the doubt on calls, whatever they may be, or to at least get the refs to consider your side of things or whatever to see plays made from your side. So we don't know how much that works. Hell, Patrick, you actually are there. You get to see a lot of that up close and personal when you're uh, at the mood watching uh, Texas basketball and how these coaches interact with the refs. But I thought it was a good point about, you know, it was such an egregious play that – the refs will give you sometimes a little bit more leeway to j- excuse me, jump their butt, if you will, on live television if they if they realize, oh yeah, I did screw it up. Especially when they talk to the other refs and the refs go, Yeah, man, you missed that call. They yeah. won't say it publicly, but they'll talk to each other and go, Yeah, that's some we missed that one. That oh no. That and call. I
0: mean, and it's also it depends on the ref. Like there is some refs in college that the more you say, the more terrible calls that are gonna happen in this game. Because they are they that's are fair. just they're emotional people. That's fair. And they They will come out, and they will, and you will just watch, and they will start to call every little thing on your team because, and I mean, and they'll do it because fans are chanting them, and they, you just see their look on their face where they're like, "I don't like this." You said I was wrong. You're like, "You were wrong." Yeah. (laughs) And then normally there's a timeout, and everything calms back down, and they don't necessarily do it as bad. But I've seen it enough times where there's certain officials. Yeah. I won't name names, but there are certain officials you've seen it that you know, and when you see them, you're like. Don't talk to that guy because if you talk to him, he will try and foul you out of the game, and he won't do it the whole game. But the, from Dude, the moment you make yeah. him mad to until he cools down, he's going to he's he'll going make to come a statement, in, and yeah. you'll know. And what, he'll go, "Oh, I was getting it, chippy." Yeah. Like it was chippy. you were getting chippy.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good point. So yeah, Rodney Terry could be avoiding something like that. That's true, and that it's about familiarity. I mean, Rodney Terry, I'm sure he knows all these refs and they know him. Um, but that in that role of being the head coach. Uh that's a different role. So I agree with uh, Zay. Yeah, you do have a you have to work the refs as part of your job. Uh but for May for Rodney Terry, maybe that's just not really, you know, him as a coach yet. Maybe that's not really what he likes to do. And maybe that's not really in his coaching DNA, uh, his style of leadership. Um but yeah, certain times, yeah, you gotta step outside yourself a little bit. Yeah and
0: I just looked up who the refs did in that game and one of those refs oh, is the really. was yes, so, okay. Those, one of those refs that is a bit of a hothead. Uh, and you, and you don't you
1: game. get scouting reports on? I don't know. If oh, they yeah. I don't know if they
0: get them. I'm not, not I, sure. Well, in Football,
1: you do. No, there's a scouting report on refs. You basically. don't
0: necessarily need to have it. Like I work the games. I know what I know who the refs are. And every once in a while, you get someone that you don't know as well. But most of these guys they, yeah. have been refing at least half the games at the at you know, uh, that you yeah, do. Yeah. So for they for the entire time. I've been doing it for like the last four or five years. I gotcha. Reputation then. They, so you just know I mean, you're reputation like, oh, you see them. And these guys that I said that about are usually pretty good referees. It's just they have that thing. So they can, that's why they get good jobs is because mm-hmm. they're good at doing all the other stuff. They're in the right position. They have that. But you know, if they miss a call and you get mad at them and you try to embarrass them because they messed up, they will not take well to that. Yeah. And that should be in the
1: scouting report about yeah. the refs.
0: And I can tell you, <laughs> I don't know which ref he was arguing with, but if it was that ref, that's, that's why he didn't get a T, because okay. it would have been real easy for him to get a T, and it wouldn't have done anything.
1: Okay, yeah. I, I, you know what? That's, that's, that's fair. And like I said, you get the up-close-and-personal view uh, from uh, your seat there at the Mood, uh, so you know exactly how these uh, interactions happen. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a very delicate balance, working the refs, but also not overstepping uh, your boundaries as a coach and not disrespecting the ref, I should say. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into Rod's round of the day. We'll talk about the most efficient, effective play in football that's not used enough and has become a bit of a cheat code for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about that and more right here on Ball Don't Like on 104.9 The Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time is mad as hell
0: and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real.
1: You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay. It's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, what's you've what's done it doing? now. It's
0: time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butt.
1: All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for Rod's rant of the day. I was just doing research about the uh, divisional round of the playoffs and different matchups, and I was looking at that Philadelphia Eagles-New York Giants matchup, and I found something that was just strange. Um, Not strange, but interesting, very interesting about the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and it led me to do more rabbit-holing, and once I went rabbit-holing, it went it uh got a mind of its own after that you know i mean kind of I kind of got carried away and then i found some stats about uh a record breaking uh year in the NFL in 2022 for quarterback sneaks found this little stat and it's it's crazy so looking at it in 2022 there were 291 quarterback sneaks in 2016 so you're talking about say, a few years ago, there were 73. Even if you account for the 16 to 17 game increase, that's a 275% increase from 2016 to 2022 in quarterback sneaks. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's wild, dude. That's wild. Think about this. There were there were 133 in 2019, 170 in 2020, 243 in 2021, and now 291 in 2022. So this is a a steady increase year after year. The conversion rate of quarterback sneaks on four. This is this is just period. Uh, quarterback sneaks period. Their first down or touchdown rate, and usually. Quarterback sneaks are on fourth and one. Very rarely um, do you see a team go for quarterback sneaks on anything more than fourth and one yard to game. Um, But quarterback sneaks had a touchdown or conversion rate of 82.8 percent, nearly 83 percent. 83 percent of the time, it works every time. Since 2016, quarterback sneaks have converted 78.7 percent of the time. Um, when teams run the football and try to uh, get a first down, say, on fourth and one. So fourth and one is what we're looking at here. When teams run the football on fourth and one, their conversion rate is 63%. When they pass the ball, their conversion rate is 58%. So why aren't teams just doing quarterback sneaks more on fourth and one? I don't know if I'd run another play, honestly, on fourth and one. And the Philadelphia Eagles are that team. Literally, in the name of the play, the concept, quarterback sneak, is supposed to be discretion. You're supposed to be able to sneak it. The whole point of us, quarterback would go up to the line of scrimmage, get behind the center, and act like it's going to be just a normal play. And then, oh, quarterback sneak. I'm doing something sneaky. Philadelphia Eagles are not being discreet at all about their quarterback sneaks. They are on pace to break the all-time record. They have broke the all-time record in the regular season. Since the NFL started keeping track of quarterback sneaks, they broke they, the uh, they broke in the all time they uh, broke the all time regular season record, and they'll probably end up breaking the postseason record too. Um, even with them having to the buy, they had thirty three quarterback sneaks, and they converted twenty nine of them. So they're around what eighty seven percent or whatever that is too. And strangely enough, they're one of the only teams. And they lead the NFL in both of these categories, by the way. And they're one of the only teams. And by the way, a lot of teams have mobile quarterbacks, kind of like Jalen Hurts, but they're one of the only teams to do this in such a, you know, an obvious, um, gratuitous manner. And it's it's actually brilliant because in they changed the rules in 2006, they changed the NFL rules. It's a long time ago that allowed players to push players from behind and help them to convert first downs or help them to gain extra yardage. used to be illegal. You couldn't do it. The Eagles, usually when you see them do their quarterback sneaks, you know it's obvious because they'll put two players, sometimes three players, right behind Jalen Hurts. You just go quarterback sneak, and they will literally just grab a butt. Each guy grab a butt cheek. He goes and get they their their aiming point and their read is butt cheeks. And if he goes, if he goes down, like he goes underneath the pile to try to convert the fourth the quarterback sneak in the fourth and one, then they know, all right, grab a butt cheek and we're just trying to plow through the line. And if he if he goes high. They try to grab a butt cheek and help him uplift him to try to help him be able to get the ball over, you know, the, the down marker over the line of scrimmage, whatever it may be. And it's actually one of the ways that they've separated themselves from the rest of the league. It's a small little tiny thing. but you are talking about first downs and touchdowns, conversions. One of the most important things in all of football to keep the drive alive and keep you on the field. Strangely enough, teams still... On fourth and one situations, um, or needing only one yard to gain, teams are still twice as more, uh, uh, twice as likely, I should say, to run the football in those situations than to go for a quarterback sneak. 694 attempts to 291. I, I don't, And you know where the greatest quarterback sneak quarterback in history is? It's Tom Brady, actually. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback sneak quarterback in the history of the NFL. But now you've got mobile quarterbacks who are, I mean, these guys are stout, physical, uh, specimens, athletic. Uh, guys like Jalen Hurts um, or Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, and they are even more effective on the quarterback sneaks. Hell, sometimes these guys are getting more than one yard, getting like two yards, two and a half yards on these quarterback sneaks. So one of the things that sets the Eagles apart is they're taking advantage of a very obscure rule in the rule book you got really smart coaches. They start looking through the rule book. Belichick is famous for this. And and, and, and combing through the rule book and trying to find something that can give you an advantage. And remember, I've told you about how the NFL works, right? The NFL is just a copycat league. The reason that it's really hard for the NFL to have dynasties is because by the time you have a concept or a philosophy or a, a front office executive cheat code or a scheme, whatever it is that separates you from the rest of the league and makes you successful or more successful than your peers, it's only a matter of time before they poach all your coaches and they steal all of your concepts. And they're either using them or they know exactly how to defend them. It's only a matter of time. You cannot stop that. It's going to happen. Unless you are just that great. You're GOAT status and you're Tom Brady and you're Aaron Rodgers. But but those guys aren't winning. Tom Brady's the one that's winning Super Bowls year after year. Not this year, thanks to the Cowboys, but year after year. And that's because Belichick, you go look year after year, he kept changing up the formula little by little. Remember, they were a defensive-oriented team when Tom Brady first came to the league. They were running the 3-4 when only two teams in the NFL were running 3-4. Then they started running the the, the Gronk slash Aaron Hernandez- 12 personnel where they were running power football. Then they went to up-tempo with the Chip Kelly. Hell, even before that, they went to the Randy Moss, Wes Welker uh, rendition of that offense. Um, hell, and by the time they won their last Super Bowl against Sean McVay and the Rams, they were running 21 personnel with an old-school fullback out there. <laughs> so I think they had so many different ways, so uh, so many different transformations, transmogrifications that they just they kept the NFL guessing as to what they were going to do. And Brady and Belichick were the ultimate you know, pairing championship, uh, you know, pairing tag team, if you will. But when you go look over history at the, the few dynasties teams that were able to win back to back, right? Because winning three in a row just doesn't happen in the NFL. Because it's a copycat league, you just don't separate from the rest of the NFL that long. You know, Lombardi, it was more scheme, right? Um, you know, Vince Lombardi had the, the the Lombardi sweep. Nobody could figure out the power sweep back then. Just the the old school version of zone blocking. Nobody could really figure it out. Um, the zone blitz was something that separated from the rest of the league too. Um, that helped the Miami Dolphins. The league had they hadn't caught up to the zone blitz. They didn't know what the hell the zone blitz was. What is this? What are you running? the The, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're running Tampa too. Right, they're, they're running Tampa two, and nobody else in the league is. Nobody know what the hell they were doing. They had Jack Lambert, they had a middle linebacker that could drop deep. They're running Tampa two. Took the NFL a while to catch up to it to steal all those concepts. Uh, the Forty ers with their dynasties, West Coast offense. Of course, it's Bill Walsh, West Coast offense took the NFL a while to figure that out, but they originally did, or at least they stole all the coaches and concepts, and they caught up to the West Coast offense. Um, Remember, Jimmy Johnson had the biggest and most gargantuan offensive line in the history of the NFL at the time the Cowboys were in the midst of their run in the 90s. Nobody had seen offensive line that big, and they dominated the league with that O-line. That's what set them apart. Um, You go look at the Denver Broncos. When they came back, to Mike Shanahan Denver Broncos, the zone blocking scheme. We all know the Shanahan zone blocking Scheme held The NFL still running that Shanahan zone blocking scheme. Uh, and you start looking you know, at Joe Gibbs uh, with the Washington um, uh, racial slurs back then. But now the Washington commanders. But he's the one that came up with the, uh, you know, the H-back. He was trying to figure out a way to block Lawrence Taylor. Uh, but that H-back was revolutionary. And it added another dimension. It took the NFL a while to try to figure out, all right, how do we crack this thing? And hell, even when the Rams won their Super Bowl, they were, uh, my man uh, Patrick brought us up, they would cash over cap. That was their philosophy in the front office. Nobody in the NFL was doing that, basically paying cash as much as you can for contracts so that it would give you more wiggle room and you could uh, back load or front load those contracts. Also, uh, one of the things I think that, you know, that, Uh, Sean McVay was doing, too. Schematically, Remember, they were running more empty formation than everybody else in the league at the time. Nobody was running that much empty formation when they decided to. And originally, remember when he first came into the league, Sean McVay was he actually was finding a loophole within the rule about the quarterback headset communication. Because, remember, he would get on the headset with the quarterback. you have to cut off the communication on that play clock, I believe, at 15 seconds. And he would make sure they were lined up with, like, 20 to 25 seconds left on that play clock so that they, he could talk to his quarterback and talk to him through the adjustments. Only way that Belichick beat him was Belichick sent in two plays. Sent in one play, and they had one pre-snap disguise shell look um, for uh, Sean McVay before the 15-second cutoff. And then they shifted to another disguise shell look right after the 15-second cutoff, forcing Jerry Goff to be a real quarterback and decipher a defense, which he could not do. And then they end up winning the game. My point is, there's always something, scheme, uh, philosophy, um, maybe front office loophole or cheat code that separates you from the rest of the league, and then the rest of the league figures it out. And one of the ways I think that Philadelphia is separating themselves from the rest of the league is they're taking advantage of this little loophole, and they have a quarterback that is almost undeniable when it comes to quarterback sneaks. And they're using their physicality as a team to be able to convert those opportunities. And not a lot of teams are doing it. I'm sure teams are more teams are doing it, but nobody at the pace that Philadelphia's. And even when Philadelphia won their last Super Bowl, they took advantage of the, uh, their, their separation from wrestling with Doug Peterson's riverboat gambling philosophy. Remember, they went for it on fourth downs more than any team in NFL history in 2017. They went for more two-point conversions than any team in NFL history at that time, and they were running more RPOs than any team in the NFL at the time, and that was a remnant of the Chip Kelly days, because Chip Kelly's the one that initially popularized the RPO in the NFL, and he did it with Nick Foles, and they decided to replicate that when Nick Foles became their starting quarterback after Carson Wentz got hurt, so it's always something. It's going to be something that you can identify that that they are doing, that the rest of the league is not doing. And if it, it is something that is uh, extraordinary enough, it can give you potentially two championships or a chance at it. Like Legion of Boom with Seattle. They had a chance at two. They only got one. My man Shano's got a chance at one. Um, well, he had a chance at two, actually. Um, and he's got another chance here. And it's because of his positionless football, his belief in it, and his investment in it over the last six, seven years, acquiring all those different pieces. And that set him apart and made him unique. That's the way to win the NFL. You got to do something that separates from the rest of the league because everybody's copying everybody. And if you're doing what everybody else is doing and you ain't doing it as good, you're just going to end up getting beat by a team that does it better than you. Separate from the rest of the league and do your own thing. You got to figure out your own unique spin and twist on it. Um, that's why I, I I like what you know the Cowboys are doing on defense too. I've said that before too because it's something very unique that the rest of the league is not doing.
0: Uh, all right, uh, we'll I come will back. say I want to bring up though ahead, when you talk about the QB sneak we saw in the Jaguars, the great moment of now everybody knows the QB sneak is the big play and yeah. everybody knows and you line up and you have those three men in the backfield. That's what you're doing. As you said, it's not a sneak. Because we all know what you're doing, that's a great. And point. then they snuck at the outside break tendency, and pick up twenty yards, and get into field goal range.
1: That's a great point.
0: But that's the thing is, they, Doug Peterson saw it and went, "All right, everybody knows what we're doing now." So now, in the right moment, if we break the tendency. Their defense that they're they're trained to know this.
1: You're right, and everybody went inside. Everybody, Everybody went, inside. went inside. Even the corner out there, he went inside and they sealed him on the outside. That's a brilliant point. You're right about that. Yeah. And that, that's that's why Doug Peters is a damn good coach. Man. It's just, it's little small things. You got to know when to break that tendency and when you've suckered the opposing team into into basically falling for the trap of the the trend or the pattern. Because everybody is studying those 17 games you played, and you've, you can't help it. You've put patterns and trends and weaknesses and strengths on tape. They're on tape. They're already there, and they're charting them just like I do. They got all the numbers, the percentages, and all the rates. And what you got to do is find out what percentages and what rates are, are changing their game plan or compelling and influencing their game plan. And then once you figure out that's a chess match, once you figure that out, just like Patrick said, oh, yeah, they're all thinking we're going quarterback sneak here. Fourth and one. Uh, we're going right around the edge. Just got no know when to break the tendency. Because you're right, Patrick. I, I think everybody thought, oh, yeah, they're going they're going right up the middle here, baby. Why wouldn't you? I mean, the announcers after the play were still like, how was that not quarterback's need? How was that not a creepy thing? And he probably still would have got it. Yeah. Probably well, still. because Trevor
0: Lawrence is really good
1: at quarterback Exactly. Ziggs. He probably still would have got it. But then you, oh, you're right about it. It's a great point to bring up, Patrick. Uh, all right. We come back. Uh, we got another off the record on the inside. Uh Then we'll wrap up the 5 o'clock hour right here on Ball Don't Lie on the Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie, right here on 1049 The Horn. It is Midweek Movie Music Edition of Ball Don't Lie, and the original Kings of Comedy are the movie that is featured for Midweek Movie Music. A shout out to my man Patrick, who hooked that up always. All right, uh, Patrick, I thought you liked this off the record. It's a little random one, but um, I thought it was pretty cool. So it comes from a tweet. Let me make sure I pull the tweet up here. Uh, from, oh, yeah, this is a, <laughs> a conversation between Stan Van Gundy and Kevin Durant via Twitter. So Stan Van Gundy tweets out, 90s NBA teams had just a trainer and a strength coach. They practiced more often and harder and played more back-to-backs. Teams now have huge medical and performance staffs and value rest over practice. Yet injuries and games missed are way up. Something's not working. Kevin Durant, uh, he replies to the tweet, "Stand spitting, dot, dot, dot. And then Stan Van Gundy replies, "No, I'm not criticizing players. I'm saying that we are getting something wrong in how we prepare and train players. We can't do anything about injuries like yours. He fell off. Uh, he fell on your leg. But all of those groin, hamstring injuries, etc., shouldn't be happening as much as they are." And Kevin Durant says, "Stan." I agree with you, LOL. And then uh, Sam Van Gundy said, "Oh, had no idea. Somebody had to explain to him that spitting <laughs> means you're speaking facts, yes. man. That's all it means." He
0: Agreeing, you spit. He thought he was spitting venom.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he thought spitting was bad. Now you spitting. Uh, yeah, it was a good point by him. But I thought it was even funnier that uh, Kevin Durant um, agreeing with Sam Van Gundy. But Sam Van Gundy, much like me, old man, probably had to go. Why you got to you got to always go to Urban Dictionary, man. Keep it keep it there. <laughs> Not go talk to young hey, kids.
0: I, I feel like Stan Van Gundy got a text like a grandkid or something, and be like, there you go. Hey,
1: Kevin Durant just said this. What does it mean? <laughs> hey, that's a, I, you are that's a great. My dad does that sometimes. Yeah. He'll hit me up. Uh, and Be like, "What is what does this mean?" I've heard this or I've seen the meme or a given. and I'll be like, "Oh, dad, that's what it means." Something like that.
0: What's, so, a, so what's right a, old yeah. Dave Chappelle about having talking to his managers? And he's like, he's like, uh, he's all right, guys, zip it up and zip it out. And they're like, let me do that, Dave. <laughs>
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is hilarious! But you're right. You need to. Sometimes you need a translator. Urban Dictionary is the best one I got. When I went uh, coach the um, the NBC uh, Combine, the National Combine down in San Antonio, and had to deal with all like the the 14 to 16 year olds that yeah. were all there, and they would drop some on me. I wouldn't let them know that I didn't know what they were talking just about, what it meant. I just turned around. I would. I, I, got, I got a phone call. Me. <laughs> I get I Go I go, oh, Okay. Yeah, I know that. I
0: know what he was saying. Now I get it. I get it. I, I'll tell yeah. you the one that got me. That it took me forever. To, and it still doesn't make sense to me. But, but when people started to say bet, yes bet, and they're like bet, and it, like so I would send somebody somebody bet. a text and he's like hey can we get this done? They go bet and I'm be like bet. we're betting on what? <laughs> I, <don't>, I <laughs> ask right. you a yes or no question that is, and I, then you gave me a word that is not anything
1: applied to either one of them. I don't know the origin of this the bet, but I think it basically means you can bet on it like bet. Yeah, you can bet on. But that. yeah, it's just, I'm it's, with you. I don't
0: know I, it completely threw me off. I still don't get it when people say it. And I'm just like, but they're like that, and I'm like, okay, I know what you mean now at least.
1: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know what that means too. Yeah, it's a great point. That is, a, that's one of those. Uh, I remember when 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 cap first started being thrown around, cap and no yeah. cap. Yeah, took me a while to get on that one, and now I get it. No cap or cap. Yeah, no, took it's a
0: there's a lot of uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, like, there's a lot of them where it just, and every year there's another one where you're like, that doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, but then you gotta like go back to the origins of it and then try to get it. And some, you know, sometimes it's fun. We can you almost have like a little game show. We can do that. Yeah. You can throw out some of those terms now, and you feel so old, and try to figure out exactly what the new urban dictionary term means. And sometimes you can get it based on context clues. Sometimes you're way off. Yeah. And you feel old.
0: Yeah, that's, and then whenever you hear, it, they're like, well, th- so this guy on TikTok, and I'm like, ah, get on my lawn.
1: I, <laughs> I don't have TikTok. TikTok is mm-hmm. one of the things I've not gone down the TikTok no. TikTok rabbit hole yet. Nope. I Haven't done it. Nope, I, haven't done. I don't think I will. I think I'm I don't gonna want avoid to. it. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, it's not really my thing. I like Twitter because Twitter is all about you can have conversations and debates, and that's what sports talk is—just debates yeah. about that. So it's like throw it out there. And I like Instagram. is just photos. That's it. that's it. Yeah, photos. That's it. Photos of food. Photos of beautiful people. Photos, beautiful places. That's it. Photos. Yeah. That's it. I'm cool with that. TikTok, uh, there's a lot going on. Dancing and different videos. I'm good. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need
0: to fault because there's there's two solutions there's two ways it happens one I don't like it or two I really do and I don't want either one of them <laughs> <laughs> people
1: spend hours on it though Yeah, like I hours just sitting on TikTok yeah. just no, scrolling. To say,
0: they have to put passwords on their own phone like addicts because <laughs> <laughs> they spend so much
1: time yeah. on TikTok they'd be yeah. like hey man uh,
0: your phone locked after four hours and you're like man do you not have jobs
1: <laughs> I'm with you on that man I don't know how they do it but uh, I guess you can say the same thing about me when it comes to uh, sports or watching or on Twitter or whatever it is we all got our vices, I guess. All right, we'll come back. We'll uh, get into Cowboys 49ers preview, other divisional round previews as well. All that and more right here on Ball. Don't lie. I on want point 49 horn.